Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. I'm Randy, and today I've got one of my favorite guests. It's Dana Rothman. She is the CMO at OneLogin. Now, I've known Dana for years, but now it goes back I think 2012 when she was at Marketo, she was the senior content marketer. So she was that type of marketer I wanted to learn from. I would stalk the halls in Marketo anytime I could get a meeting with her just to get a little insight on where we had to take Uberflip. And over the years, I've gotten her to use Uberflip at various companies where she's been a customer of ours. I think this is the third or fourth time since since we've gotten to know each other that she's used our platform. But you know, at every stage, I've admired how she infuses content into leadership. And I think that's something we don't always see. We actually unpack that a little bit in our conversation today of the reality that not every content-minded individual gets to head towards that sea level. And Dana's accomplished that at one login, and you'll hear a little bit about her pursuit for that, you know, her willingness to fight for something and not accept no as an answer. The second half of our chat goes deeper into content again, and we, and we talk about the role in content at every stage of the buyer journey, and specifically what she calls the content service bureau that she's built on login. This is an episode that's great for content lovers, great for people trying to think through every stage of the buyer journey. Without further ado, here's my combo with Dana Roth. Hey, Dana, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really excited. You and I have known each other for a long time, and I've always associated you as that very friendly but disturbing (laughs) influence in marketing to push it forward. But I've always seen you at these earlier stage companies, the ones trying to break through. Now I, I think of one login as a breakthrough company, tons of growth potential, Mm -hmm. and you're now the CMO for the first time. Mm -hmm. What's that like? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great you know, I enjoy being a marketing leader. I enjoy running teams and one login is really uh, the perfect stage company for, you know, what I was really looking for, for my first true uh, CMO role. They're, you know, at the stage where they're growing, I have budget, I have a team. Um, and it's a bit in that scaling stage where things are moving really fast. And that's where I really thrive. I thrive in, you know, solving problems. I thrive in, creative out-of-the-box marketing campaigns. And I think a lot of that stuff um, is very well suited to the size organization that that one login is. So help me contrast for for people listening with, you know, thinking about that next move. Do they jump into something early stage with a small marketing team of you know three to ten people versus you've you've seen both sides now, mm-hmm. right? Like you were yeah. you were part of that growth size. I mean, how big was Marketo's marketing team at different stages of your tenure? Um, let's see. I was at Marketo pre and a post IPO. I think I'm probably going to be wrong on this. I think when I started, maybe the marketing team was like 30 something people, you know, obviously grew um, exponentially over the years. But I think when I started, Marketo had about maybe like 500 employees around, around that uh, and was, you know, d- doubled and tripled and it was very, very high growth. 
And, and some of the other stops you've had, I'm thinking companies like Everstring mm-hmm. and Bright Funnel, I, I imagine that you probably had much more constrained marketing resources. Yes. <laughs> Am I right? Like 10 person or so teams? Or it's much smaller than that. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed working in the, the growth stage. Like when I left Marketo, I was like, okay, I want to take on just some, a little bit more responsibility and I want to experience what like a real startup startup is like, you know, like really small. Maybe I'm the only marketer. Maybe there's only a, a few marketers. Because I think at the time when I left Marketo, I didn't quite know yet that I wanted to be a CMO. Um, I, I loved content and that was my passion. So for me, it was like, well, maybe I'll be like a chief content officer one day. And it was never about being a CMO, but I did want the additional experience working at different size companies. And so my next move was, you know, to a smaller startup and the interesting, it was Everstring. And the interesting thing about Everstring was I came in as like director of content inbound web, something like that, some small subset. As they hired more people on the team, it was clear that a lot of the stuff that, frankly, I'd learned by working really closely with really talented people at Marketo, that a lot of my knowledge on stuff like demand gen and events um, was, you know, in many cases, pretty advanced compared to a lot of the candidates that were coming in for some of the leadership roles there. So I, over time, took over the full team, eventually, you know, became VP. But, you know, I think what was interesting was that, like, I came into that role not thinking that I wanted to necessarily own the whole marketing team and not really knowing that, like, I really did love, like, operations or events or demand gen. And I got to really, like, be in the trenches of all those different roles and, you know, learning, like, hands-on how to do them. Um, and I, you know, came to really like love all these different aspects in addition, you know, to content. When Everstring was, when we had, when it was at its largest with the marketing team, I think the marketing team was like 12 people, you know, it was still small, not the smallest marketing team I've been in, but, uh, it was pretty lean. So help me understand, because I've gone to speak to a lot of different marketing leaders who have gone to the C-level. And it's, it's not often you hear someone coming through the content path. Mm-hmm. Uh, very often you hear product marketing, demand, seem to be the most common paths towards a CMO level. What do you think marketers in content today need to do to break out to that, that leadership level that you've accomplished? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, so for one, I, I want to just address how valuable the skills are of a content marketer. And I think it's interesting that not many content marketers, sometimes it's not their path to be a CMO um, because some of those skill sets that you have as a content marketer are so incredibly foundational for every single thing across marketing and like knowing how to write, how to create compelling stories. I mean, you do that in pretty much every single function. So I think first it's understanding that like that content skill set is incredibly unique um, and is really powerful as a C-level. I think when I was in at Marketo, it was a unique situation in that I was marketing to marketers, right? So I created content for marketers to do all their jobs better. So I had to become 
an expert in like demand gen, in event marketing, in marketing automation, sales operations, like is everything I wrote, I had to know the ins and outs of it. So I think I was a bit at an advantage because I did, it was almost like I had, you know, it was like I got my doctorate in marketing where I learned from all these great people in Marketo. So I was pretty well, I was more prepared, I think, than a lot of content marketers coming into a leadership role like I did. I very easily stepped into other functions. But I think for content marketers that, you know, don't have that luxury, which is most of them, you know, there's a few things that you need to really get involved with. I definitely think demand gen is an area where, you know, as a content marketer, you should really start to understand on a much more in-depth level, like how are these programs run? You know, what are the goals? What are the what are the outcomes? Like, how does the demand gen team function? Because I do think, like, when I was coming into my job at One Login, it wasn't like, oh, Dana has the content marketing background. Honestly, by that time, I had been so entrenched in demand gen, it was like Dana is a demand gen marketer. You know, that's one skill set I definitely recommend getting involved in. And then also as much of like uh, metrics, as much metrics driven as you can be as a content marketer, that's going to bode very well for you as well as you move up into a C-level role, like having a really good understanding on how your content performs, how it drives revenue, how it influences revenue, and just constantly being on top of that. That's great advice. And, and I think a great path for any marketer, regardless of whether they're in content or a different role to think about the, those different pillars of, of what you need to do. I, I guess maybe my last question before we take a break here is thinking about the reality. And for people who don't know, One Login is, is a company with a ton of potential, quite larger than some of the other companies that you've been with to date. What has been the biggest adjustment for you, not just becoming a CMO, but operating in a company now again with that level of complexity? Yeah. So, um, well, actually, one, I do want to, uh, I, I have an interesting story to t about long one login on like getting my role there that is relevant, I think, to your listeners around like, how do you kind of get into that next step in your career. I've always been really, you know, very passionate about like driving forward. And I, you know, I don't really take no for an answer, which like you probably know for me coming into this CMO role at one login or being considered for that role. Um, I was at a huge disadvantage really, uh, from other candidates who were coming into, uh, being interviewed for that role and coming into it that had like decades of experience as a CMO. I'd never been a CMO before, even though I've raised up in my career, it has happened quite quickly. So if you look at like the combined years, it's not like, oh, Dana's been a marketing leader for like 30 years. It's just not a thing. So going into it, I really had to kind of combat that and combat my, uh, you know, perceived kind of inexperience and really prove to the CMO that like I could do this job and I have the executive presence and, you know, he can, can trust me to get it done. You know, at first in the interview process, I'd gotten pretty far and the recruiter actually was like, you know, we're not, they're not going to move forward with you. Lack of experience. And, and it is true. Like, Compared to other candidates, sure. Um, and then I was like, 
you know, I really want this job so much as the perfect job for me, like the perfect company. Like I'm not going to take no for an answer. Like what do I have to lose? You know, like nothing. They already said no. So um, I decided I would reach out to the CMO or the CEO and write him this letter, this email on like why I should be chosen for the role and why he was making a mistake, like not pursuing me and all the reasons why I would be the best person for the job. And so I sit down and like wrote the email, spent a bunch of time on it and sent it through. And that is actually like ultimately what enabled me to, to move on in the process. It not even really move on in the process. Like it was pretty much okay, like, I don't think they were moving with any other candidate at that time. Um, And so I hopped on the phone with the CEO. And, you know, we met up for dinner and just, he just became more comfortable with with me and was, I think, really impressed by like the chutzpah of just going out there on a limb um, and going for, you know, what you're passionate about. So the reason I tell that story, I know that wasn't the question you asked me, but um, is I think for a lot of people on the call that might be thinking about, well, like, how do I get to that next role? And like, how did this girl do it? And, you know, I'm still inexperienced. It's like, don't discount like your passion and your drive. Just a key motivating factor on why people want to hire you. I love that. That's a beautiful and motivating story, I think, for a yeah. lot of people who are trying to navigate their career. We're going we're gonna to dig deeper here. We're going to switch over to the buyer journey side, but we'll take a quick break on the marketer's journey with Dana and be right back. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. So chatting with Dana, she highlights this point in her career where she worked at Marketo. And there's a huge opportunity being a marketer working at a marketing company. In the case of Marketo, they were helping us learn about demand generation and all the channels that we would use to bring a customer in. And she identifies this reality that it helped her understand how to be a better marketer herself. And it's an interesting thing to look at. I mean, obviously I run a company that is focused on marketing technology, again, for marketers. And I've seen such success of the marketers we've had on our team over the years, some who are still with us, some who have moved on, and the exposure and understanding they get to the complexity of marketing regardless of their role. So you have a product marketer who's understanding the role of demand generation, the role of content, the role of the different areas of our business, and it almost makes them a full rounded marketer regardless of their role. I think it's a really interesting way to fast track your career in marketing. And very often you'll have other outsiders who look into the opportunities you had and say, well, that person really must understand how marketing works 
given the focus of the company they were at. So it's just something to think about. Not every one of us is gonna have a stop at a marketing company, whether it's an agency or a technology side, but it gives us amazing perspective to what we're trying to actually solve for our customers and in turn, what we have to do to rock in a CMO role. All right, Dana, so I wanna keep going a little bit on this content side, just given your background. And in the first part of our combo, you mentioned at some point you or someone around you had a title of director of inbound, which is funny to think back when that was <laughs> yeah. like this sexy title to have now. Everyone's oh, like, that was hot. That was my title. All right. Now, now like no one wants inbound tied to their <laughs> title, right? Like it's so six years ago. Uh, but, you know, now everyone wants to be an ABM marketer something like that. Mm-hmm. But maybe, you know, as you think about that title, you think of the role of content, which was so inbound focused. How have you seen the role of content change now as a CMO and, and where you see it interjected into the buyer journey? The way that I think about it and the way that it's structured at one login is really content is like the true foundation of everything that we do from you know, attracting buyers into our funnel to accelerating them through the process and then into the post-sale process and the customer advocacy side as well. We're not just creating content anymore that's like, I don't know, super top funnel that just like gets people in, but doesn't have a lot of substance. And people want more content and they want the content to be uh, a little bit more meaty, Well, for us, since we sell into a technical audience, a lot of our content has to be more technical. Um, So I have to bring in more technical concepts. And and we use it from an outbound perspective as well. So it's not just like inbound anymore, but we're using it like our outbound SDRs use the content or AEs do. It's, you know, really just that's how buyers want to purchase today. And what we've noticed like I wouldn't call it post COVID world for us. It's like the during, still during COVID, like during COVID and all of this, the uh, desire of our buyers to consume content um, has very much increased. Some of their buyer behaviors have changed a little bit, but we've noticed that like they want to engage with more content kind of throughout that whole journey than they, than they previously did because the decision-making process has gotten a little bit lengthier. So within that, as that shift is happening, you know, you probably move from earlier days where the content marketer was just creating the content and getting it up on a site for people to find to who do you task on your team with picking the content to put in front of specific buyers? So if an AE is looking for a piece of content, who is suggesting the right content to that AE? Or same thing perhaps with, you know, whoever's running your demand campaigns. We have all of our content across the organization centralized under under marketing. That means, you know, anything that's kind of external facing, including not just marketing content, but all of our technical documentation, our product documentation, knowledge base articles and external trading all falls under the umbrella of this content market uh, marketing service bureau that sits under marketing. Originally, when I came to one login, it was 
you know, obviously everything's in different places. There's like different levels of quality throughout all the content that we created. So to make sure that, you know, everything is centralized on brand consistent, we did centralize it. And then also I think having those technical writers on the team is super valuable for us in marketing because we can kind of information, uh, information share. So if somebody wants a piece of content or is requesting it, it's really something that's decided on within the, the content service bureau. And then there's stakeholders that are involved in agreeing on those decisions. So I have a director of content. Um, we have a whole process where people have like a form and a, it's a platform called Rike. It's our project management platform. They fill the form out, they submit it. Uh, you know, even AEs like have to do a creative brief if they want something special, which is good because that cuts down a little bit on the like random requests. So they come into her, then uh, she works with uh, with her team and myself to develop, you know, kind of what does the plan look like for the next quarter? Also getting all the inputs from demand gen, product marketing, customer marketing and the other team. So it's really like a collaborative effort. And at the end of the day, you know, she has the say on like culling that down to like, what is, you know, what can we actually produce? Um, and then I have the final check mark. But I would definitely say that we are planning uh, these days is a little bit more fluid and agile than I've had in the past because things are so unknown planning for, you know, like six months out, eight months out, nine months out uh, is really challenging because the market is changing really fast and we have to make sure that we change with the market. So a lot of the times I'll say, okay, let's like do the content plan for the next couple months. And it's, you know, a couple months at a time and it's more of like a sprint and that can, you know, that could change depending on, on what comes up. And that's a bit of like the, just the state of where we're in today. That's interesting. I, I want to come back to this content service bureau. And I, I find it interesting, as you described, you've, you've even got your technical writers sitting under marketing. How do you align them to goals that are meaningful to them when a lot of content marketing these days has been pushed more to revenue intended goals? Is it, is it the same for a technical writer or are there different goals depending on the type of content, format of content? You, you know, stage of the buyer journey. Yeah, different goals based on the buyer journey. Um, I would say, well, one of the for technical writing because we before I came on board, um, we had a much smaller kind of docs team. I think um, we were behind on some of our doc creation. So one of the main goals was just to like get it done uh, and more of like a production type goal where it was like, okay, we need to have the documentation ready to go like with every release and getting into a better cadence there. I think eventually in the near future, I would like to align it more to kind of customer retention goals, customer upsell and upgrade. Um, our technical documentation is mostly for customers, although prospects do look at it. The outcome of our documentation is to enable the customers to be successful with the product. Um, and so that's really the true measuring tool. That's, that's really truly how you'd measure the effectiveness of that is like how, uh, how our customers are able to implement and get onboarded onto the, to the product. Interesting. Yeah. I guess there's potential down the road, just thinking out loud to, to tie some of that technical writing to 
other metrics like NPS and mm-hmm. you know, debatably if, if we like NPS or not. Every I don't, but we do do it, but I don't, like <laughs> it, but we do do it, but yes. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really getting in more though to utilization of the software and, and figuring out you know, how that leads to expansion. I, I'm, right. I'm curious, you know, amid the climate, as you described that we're in, maybe just a last question, how has content started to make it into your post-sale journey, into the customer uh, marketing side? Yeah, quite a bit. Um, so a couple of things uh, to note. So right in, in March, we noticed uh, a pretty, we, we noticed a pretty significant change in our buyer behavior and the type of leads coming in. So when we went kind of shelter in place, we had our last event, which was RSA, which is a really big event um, for us. And then no more events, right? And like everything kind of fell apart. You know, we we have a big for us and one login with what we do, um, which is, you know, providing like authentication and security for in many cases, employees working remotely, the kind of business continuity and remote work was a big area that we could show our thought leadership in. So we started really quickly, really right away, creating content and doubling down our efforts there. So I had like everyone, you know, I was writing content. Um, We had the executive team kind of in webinars talking about business continuity. And we got into uh, uh, that pretty early on compared to our competitive set, which was great. We noticed at that time that there was a change in kind of People that came to the website that were direct hand raisers, which a lot of them came from events, physical events. They would see us at an event and they'd come and they'd request demo. Um, and then we saw a dip in those and then a big increase in you know scored leads that were coming across from the content engagement. We've been adjusting you know, our marketing and our sales strategy on kind of how do we nurture these buyers they are a little different than the hand raisers. But the content that we create is you know, best practice for everybody, including customers. So a lot of that like business continuity content, which was very core in like business strategy, enabling remote workforce, like our customers wanted that information as well. Um, And so a lot of that content was created based on our customers' feedback of like what they were personally trying to do. So I think that you need to educate, you know, not just your prospects, it shouldn't stop there, but you also should continue educating your customers so that they, you know, continue to trust you and you build that loyalty. Great. That's a great perspective. And, you know, it really, it really shows how far things have come from, you know, the role of content you described back at Marketo to the way, you know, we're seeing content used at every stage of the buyer journey. And, you know, it makes sense again, that you've, you've got this content service bureau to, to oversee that. Uh, Dana, this has been great. We're, we're going to go to one last question, but we'll take a break before we do. We're going to find out about your personal journeys right here on The Marketer's Journey. So I got to tell you, I'm not surprised when Dana talks about creating this content service bureau. Dana has always been the type of person who understands the role of content and that it's not just about creating content. I think a lot of us have bad associations to content marketers that their role is to create but not think of the impact, not think of the role. And in many ways, she's aligned this content service bureau to different stages of the buyer journey. You hear her talk about its role for inbound, its role for accelerating the journey, and even some of the technical documentation that it that comes to play. And this doesn't surprise me about Dana either. I mean, truth is, 
I've known Dana for quite some time. And one of the, the funny stories we talked about today off mic, if you will, was that back in the day when Dana was at one of these smaller companies that she talked about earlier, she actually was one of our personas at Uberflip. And we would talk about her as this marketer who yes, was content, but she would take it all on. Uh, we had a nickname for our persona as we often do. The persona was called do it all Dana. And, and the idea was Dana would do demand. She would do content. She would do whatever was needed. And I think having this content service bureau is her way of ensuring that content marketers are infused into the business and a real partner to every part, whether it's sales, success, or marketing itself. All right, Dana, so we unpacked your career, the buyer journey, and within it, you said yourself, I mean, you're not this marketer who's got years of experience to get to a CMO level. So you gotta be hustling to do that. How do you take a break from that hustle for yourself to clear your mind, to stay sane in between these great opportunities that you've jumped into? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, it's been, it's been challenging. And also I think the challenge of disconnecting um, has been even more acute during you know these times when we're working from home one of the things I noticed early on in like the work from home journey was that I both myself and my team uh, and my family were having a difficult time like disconnecting during normal working hours like working hours just kind of bled into each other it was like I was taking meetings at like 7 a.m or 7 p.m and it, there was kind of this thought of like well you're home so and like yeah, okay, I'm home. Like, it's not like I'm not home. So what I started doing pretty early on was trying to put some guardrails for myself on like making sure that I like was forcing myself to kind of stop at a reasonable time on most days. Like sometimes I'll have work that, you know, I'll be working on late, but generally it's like, okay, it's like 630, something like that. Like I'm going to stop. And I'm going to kind of try and turn everything off and go and spend some time with my husband or go on a walk with uh, my dogs or watch some TV. I've watched like a lot of shows during this time. Um, and then also, I think since things have opened up uh, a bit, uh, making time to go, you know, out and about as much as possible and try to do things like in, you know, in a safe way. My husband and I have been like, going out to like dinner where we can or taking little day trips. We did a staycation where, you know, I took a week and a half off and like really didn't go anywhere, but we just took a break. Um, and so that has been helpful. Absolutely. No, it's great advice. And, you know, it's, it's tempting for, I think a lot of executives and their teams to think now more than ever, I've got to be connected. I got to figure out the plan, but you know, sometimes having that that break is really what allows us to figure out the plan. So I I think it's it's great guidance, great advice, and and this this episode's been packed with that. So Dana, I can't thank you enough for sharing with us, sharing us about that your career. Uh, I love that story about persistence, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and writing to that CEO to get to where you are today. Uh, I, I'm sure someone's going to copy that and, and end up in a great role because of you. So. Thanks so much. If you're tuning into this for the first time, join here and Dana, check out all the other great C-level guests that we've had on this podcast. Really fascinating, the different stories, how they got to where they are, how they prioritize the buyer journey. Until next time, thanks for tuning in and thanks to Dana. 
You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, at uberflip.com slash podcast, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.